0: Welcome to The Queue for Two, your podcast companion for learning all about your favorite theme park attractions. Whether listening at home or while waiting in the queue, we'll fill you in on all the information you need to get the most out of your ride experience. I'm your host, Ryan, and joining me as always is the Cosmic Matthew. Today, we're talking about the history and hidden secrets behind my favorite ride in Disney's Tomorrowland, Buzz Lightyear's Space Ranger Spin. Now, Matthew... How many times have you boarded your XP37 Star Cruiser and gone deep into the Gamma Quadrant to protect the galaxy from the evil Emperor Zerg?
1: Calling all space cadets. Oh, are you talking to me? Oh, hi Ryan. Hi. How are you? Um, I have ridden this ride so many times I don't even know how to count. I've probably ridden it like 10 to 15 times it feels like. I don't know. Maybe it's not that high, but it sure feels
0: like I've ridden this ride a lot of times. For sure, Matthew, because I know, for me, there have been times when we've gone that the line has been really long, and I haven't ridden as many times, and then there have been other times where the line was non-existent, and I rode this, like, (laughs) six or seven (laughs) times in a row. Yep, exactly. Well, I'm really excited to talk about this ride today. It's got a lot of rich history and some kind of interesting history with being one of the first Pixar attractions in a Disney park. So, without further ado, how about we jump into the history of Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger Spin? Up, up, and away. Let's get started. All right. So, our journey with this attraction is going to begin, as usual, with its predecessor. This ride building was previously home to the attraction If You Had Wings, sponsored by Eastern Airlines, that opened in June of 1972 less than one year after the Magic Kingdom first opened. This attraction at that time was an unticketed, free attraction to all guests that showcased a variety of locations that could be visited on Eastern Airline flights. A free ride sounds pretty sweet, right? Oh, yeah. Wouldn't you imagine this ride would be pretty popular on opening?
1: Uh, No, I can imagine it was horrendous.
0: Well, it was pretty horrendous. Even though you didn't need a ticket to ride this ride, you didn't have to pay any more than just park admission, it was not received well. Basically, wait times on this ride were non-existent. Even though Tomorrowland was really sparse with attractions at the time, the ride overall was pretty much considered lackluster from Disney standards, kind of thrown together in only five months from conception of the ride to opening of the ride. There were no animatronics on this ride. There were only some, like, silhouette cutouts of people that were spaced throughout the ride. Oh, gosh. And unsurprisingly, Eastern Airlines dropped their (laughs) sponsorship uh, not too long after opening in June of 1987. And that was actually shortly before the airline itself went bankrupt in 1991. So things were not looking up for Eastern Airlines at that time.
1: I'll just say, like, I didn't know that the ride was bad. I just figured the ride would be, you know, not so popular because people don't like ads. So you're telling me not only was this an ad that people had to ride through, it was also a bad ad like they didn't even have anything cool in there to show. Come on. No no wonder this ride failed.
0: Well, and it's funny you bring that up, Matthew, because like there's a long history of rides at Walt Disney World being sponsored by other companies. Right. But some of them are less heavy handed in their advertising (laughs) than others. (laughs) Yeah. Like I remember Honey, I Shrunk the Audience, for example, at. Epcot was sponsored by Kodak for a really long time. And so they had a pre-roll before you walked into the theater that was basically just a big advertisement for Kodak. But then on the attraction itself, it wasn't beating you over the head with Kodak, Kodak, Kodak. Kodak." Kodak. (laughs) Whereas this attraction was literally just straight up Here's all the places you could fly on, (laughs) Eastern
1: Airlines. Oh, what a time. What a time. They would get crucified
0: for that. And that's why they are no longer in business, partially, I would assume. And that's why Eastern Airlines is gone forever. (laughs) But with that ride closing in 1987, Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger spin didn't open until 11 years later in 1998. So Matthew, with this attraction building over those 10 years... What do you think they did with it? Like how many attractions do you think were hosted here in that time? You would
1: think at least one, right? One, two maybe? I don't know. Tell what 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 do we have?
0: The answer is 4. Oh jeez. But I will say it's kind of a cheating four because a lot of these were very 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 similar. Okay. <laughs> and basically we're just like a couple of renames. So there were four other versions of this attraction over those 11 years. The original If You Had Wings was initially replaced with If You Could Fly which was essentially the exact same ride with a change in the music and all references to Eastern Airlines were removed. This was received even more poorly oh gosh because guests apparently liked the original music more <laughs> than the music it was replaced with. So this ride, if you could fly, lasted just a short 18 months, closing in January of 1989. Afterwards, a new company picked up the sponsorship, Delta, and it was reopened as Delta Dream Flight six months after the close, with a pretty significant change in the ride. This time, instead of taking guests to different locations that they could fly to on Delta Airlines, it instead took guests through basically a walkthrough of aviation history. And overall, this ride was received better than its predecessors, but wait time was still usually about 10 minutes. Okay. So after that reopening, that version remained open until January of 1996 when Delta dropped their sponsorship. It was then renamed from Delta Dream Flight to just Dream Flight for six months until June of 1996, and then renamed Take Flight, which closed in January of 1998. And then... As we know, our favorite attraction, Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger Spin, opened just 10 months later, and it was kind of an interesting time for that to open up. I alluded at the beginning of this episode that it was one of the first Pixar-themed attractions to open at a Disney park. Matthew, if it wasn't the first, can you think of what the first Pixar attraction was to open?
1: Um, let's see. The first Pixar attraction... I honestly can't. I don't know why my brain keeps telling me Ratatouille, and that's like one of the newest rides that's (laughs) on the park, so I don't
0: know why my brain just can't think of a Pixar. Is it Bugs Life? Was Bugs Life that early? You are correct, Matthew. It was. It's tough to be a bug that opened at Disney's Animal Kingdom Let's go! just six months before the opening of Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger spin. Heck
1: yeah, man. And if you haven't seen Bugs Life, then uh, put this podcast on hold. Go watch Bugs Life and come back, because
0: that movie is criminally underrated. Bugs Life is awesome. I agree. Matthew, do you know when the first Toy Story movie came out? Um, Was it 2000? 96? 97? 2000? You're close. Closer with 96. It was November 22nd, 1995. Oh, okay. And Toy Story 2 came out November 13th, 1999. So this ride opened about a year before Toy Story 2 came out. And it was essentially opened as kind of like a promo for Toy Story 2 almost. Okay. But the funny thing about it, when this ride came out, not only was Pixar not owned by Disney at this point in time, Pixar also only had one movie out at that time, Toy Story. So there was a brief period of time where there were two Pixar attractions open while only one Pixar movie had been released to the general public. Oh, gosh. How did they even get away with that? That's crazy. (laughs) Well, and it was met by some trepidation. I've heard by Disney fans at that time. Diehard park goers were used to it being Disney specific properties in the parks, which now we think of Pixar as a Disney specific property because they've been owned by Disney for a while now. Correct. But at the time, it was kind of controversial to bring the work of an outside studio into a Disney park and not just any Disney park, the Magic Kingdom.
1: Yeah, because they were almost like competitors. I feel like people always thought, and like you know, even though Disney now owns Pixar, Pixar keeps getting shorted on the back end. But that's a whole different
0: uh, conversation for another day. So that's crazy that they didn't even own them, and I didn't realize that uh, they brought those in that early. It was definitely early, and with thinking about it being kind of like a promo for Toy Story two. So Toy Story two is the first time that we actually see Evil Emperor Zurg in the movie. We hear Buzz talk about him in Toy Story one. But so as it turns out, since we didn't get trailers for Toy Story 2 with Zerg in them until 1999, this attraction was the first time that the general public was able to see Evil Emperor Zerg.
1: What a moment. That's like like MCU-level moment right there.
0: Well, and that was a piece of history that was totally lost on me that I didn't appreciate at the time because I was like a little kid, like not even in kindergarten.
1: Right. It's like, I'm shooting at bright, colorful lights and not even, like, thinking about, like, what that meant at the time when it came out.
0: Like, that's crazy. Yeah, that was the first time they got to see old, old evil Emperor Zerg. All right, Matthew, let's talk about the official ride description for Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger Spin. Are you ready to embark on this cosmic journey?
1: To infinity and beyond.
0: Buzz Lightyear's arch nemesis from Toy Story 2 is stealing batteries from helpless toys to power a new weapon of destruction. Become a junior space ranger and help stop Zerg. Board your XP 37 Star Cruiser and voyage deep into the Gamma Quadrant, where you'll take aim at the glowing Z targets with your infrared laser cannon. Use your cruiser's joystick to spin a full 360 degrees so you can blast all the targets in sight. Do you have what it takes to stop Zerg and his rampaging robot army before it's too late? The fate of the universe is in your hands. It's in your hands, Matthew! What are you gonna do? i i, I don't know. What should I do? I'm panicking. Oh no, this pressure. Get Zerg! Get Zerg! <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I forgot that the thing can spin fully 360. I
0: knew it could spin a lot, but I completely forgot that it could spin all the way around, and that just- oh. I love that. (laughs) Well, and that was definitely a big deal at the time, because obviously the Omnimover technology that this ride uses was not new. This was something that guests had already seen at the Haunted Mansion in the Magic Kingdom. But the Haunted Mansion vehicles, they do turn at different points in the ride, but this was the first time guests could actually control the movement of the Omnimover and actually spin it the full 360 degrees. So it was an interesting feature to add to an already, I guess, classic ride technology. Got it. The other cool technology that you can see at Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger Spin is actually in the queue right before you get on the ride, where you are met with a large animatronic version of Buzz Lightyear. This animatronic is a projection mapping animatronic to basically give Buzz's face a more fluid set of facial expressions as he is speaking with guests about their mission to go into deep space and fight zerg i thought it was also interesting to note that the animatronic so it looks pretty jerky when he's moving around and this isn't a limitation of the animatronic it is in fact by design you are meeting the toy version of Buzz Lightyear. You can see him with a big, like, toy viewfinder next to him. Oh, that's right. Okay. So they wanted him to mimic the motions of an action figure rather than a fluid person. Got it. So I thought that was a neat thing to take note of, that it was, it was not a limitation, but a, a feature of that animatronic.
1: That's what they do in coding. They don't call them bugs, they call them
0: features. It's the same thing here. <laughs> Wise words from our, from our resident engineer. Now, Buzz Lightyear, Space Ranger Spin, is a ride that was essentially very popular after it opened, and eventually every major Disney resort had some iteration of this attraction. We saw, first off, Another version of the ride opening at Tokyo Disney in April of 2004, a version opening at Disneyland in March of 2005, and a version opening at Disney Hong Kong in September of 2005, all with the same name, Astro Blasters. Now, there was a version that later opened in Disneyland Paris called Buzz Lightyear Laser Blast that opened in April of 2006. And then the latest opening version of this attraction was in Shanghai Disney, called Buzz Lightyear Planet Rescue, in June of 2016. It is also worth noting that not all versions of this attraction are open today. The version in Hong Kong actually shut down in 2017 to be replaced by Ant-Man and the Wasp Nano Battle which is essentially a reskin of the ride and uses the same ride mechanics as the original Astro Blasters. Oh. So those rides, they all have their differences, but all kind of have the same type of ride in the sense that it is an Omnimover ride that you're using laser guns to shoot at things. Though, notably, the Florida attraction is the only one where you can't actually lift the guns out of the vehicle. In all of the other ones, the guns are tethered to the vehicle but you can actually lift them up from a cable and have greater maneuverability of where you're going to shoot.
1: Man, that would change the game. I don't know how many times I've been pointing in the wrong direction and it's too late to hit one of those big spots, man. I guess you have the the risk of people hitting each other like across the head with them, but you know, that's a risk I'm willing to
0: take. <laughs> you know, Matthew, that would be a risk I would be willing to take as well, because it does certainly cut off some of your options to try to get to that top score on the ride. And when we get into some of the tips for this ride. We'll kind of talk about some of those limitations with where you're able to shoot on the Magic Kingdom version of the attraction. The last thing that I want to say about the ride history, there are a couple of little add-ons to talk about with attractions that share similar names, but aren't exactly the same as the attractions that we mentioned before. So we talked about how three versions of this attraction were called Astro Blasters, well, Disney Quest, when it was open at Walt Disney World, featured an attraction called Buzz Lightyear Astro Blaster, singular, that while it shared a very similar name to the other three attractions, it was very, very different. This version was basically bumper cars that you had little cannons to like shoot balls at each other with. Okay. And then the bumper cars had little targets on the side that if you hit the target with one of your like plastic cannonballs it would cause the other cart to light up and spin around and lose control of driving the vehicle wow (laughs) which this attraction was obviously not as flashy or as big budget as some of the others but as a frequent disney quest goer i rode that attraction many times and really enjoyed (laughs) causing other people's cars to spin out of control You're a psychopath even from a young age. I love it. I was. I was driven by the desire to ruin other people's vacation. (laughs) (laughs) Now, the other addition that we can talk about with this attraction is linked to the Disneyland version of Astro Blasters. When this ride opened, Disney also released an online video game to coincide with the ride opening. Essentially, when players would play this video game online, it would communicate with the ride in Anaheim in real time. And so the higher riders scored on the attraction in Anaheim, the better the online players would do. And then vice versa, if the online players were shooting specific targets in the online game, there were targets in the actual attraction that would light up as people online were shooting them. Oh, wow. So it was kind of a neat thing that they had going on. Unfortunately, it only lasted for two years before Disney took down the game. It's one that you could download the game. And so there could be some people that downloaded that game that still have a copy to this day. There are, we'll say, ways that you could acquire the game in not the most legal ways. Ah, got it. Okay. Not through official Disney avenues. And then I was really interested, when I was researching this, I came across a group that had started working to remaster the game in 2021. They have released some stills of like the beta version of remastering the game, but to my knowledge, it still has not come out. But so if you are, if you are interested in reliving that piece of history, there are ways that you can still play that game. Unfortunately, it just doesn't link up with the attraction in Disneyland anymore.
1: This is when I pull out uh, my copy of the game that I've been holding on to this whole time. I was waiting for this exact moment.
0: No, (laughs) this is when you're like, it's finally my moment. I've been playing this game every day since it closed. You're telling me they don't sync up anymore. I've been (laughs) lied to. Oh, gosh. Well, Matthew, that about does it for the cut and dry history of this ride. But as with any ride at Disney World or any Disney theme park, there are definitely some fun facts to talk about as I kind of dive into some minutiae behind some things with this attraction. What I'd like to start with, Matthew, are some of the voice actors for this attraction. When you think Buzz Lightyear, who is the voice of Buzz Lightyear to you? Chris Evans. We got a
1: Lightyear fan in here. I love that movie so much. <laughs> it's so good. Socks the Cat is the best. All right. Anyway, um, yeah, that's my answer.
0: Okay. Well, to me, it's always iconic Buzz Lightyear Tim Allen from the original Toy Story, <laughs> but Tim Allen did not reprise his role for this attraction. This Buzz is also not voiced by Patrick Warburton, the other iconic voice for Buzz from the early 2000s TV show Buzz Lightyear of Star Command. I did not realize that was Patrick Warburton. I loved that show. Oh my God. Okay. All right. Sorry. <laughs> Keep going. I love that show as well. And uh, Patrick Warburton not only voiced... Buzz, but he voiced at least one of the villains in that show as well. Oh, okay. Um, So he was a a pretty prominent voice in that in that series. That's cool. And Matthew, this, as you know, came out way before Lightyear, so it is also not voiced by Chris Evans. (laughs) No, Buzz for this attraction is actually voiced by Pat Fraley, who you may recognize as the voice of Krang from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon. He also voiced Buzz Lightyear in Toy Story Treats, a series of shorts originally aired on ABC. Now, my favorite other voice of Pat Fraley was his voice as Wildcat on the old Disney TV show Tailspin. Oh gosh,
1: that is a those are all such deep cuts. You really went into this man's IMDb
0: and <laughs> went to the <laughs> bottom of it. They are deep, deep cuts. It's funny though, he doesn't have any like huge, big roles, but his fingerprints are all over voices from a lot of big properties. He's credited not as a named character, but as providing like additional background voices in several iconic Disney films as well, including Monsters Incorporated, Tangled, and one that I was really surprised about, the dub of Studio Ghibli's Princess Mononoke. Oh. So he's he's, uh, passed his voice around to several projects before and uh, has been buzz on this attraction for a long time. Now, the voice of Zerg also has some interesting roots, but the voice of Zerg changes depending on which attraction you go to. So Zerg at Astro Blasters in Disneyland is voiced by Andrew Stanton. Matthew, does the name Andrew Stanton mean anything to you?
1: It rings a bell,
0: but I can't put my finger on it. I'm bad with names, but it definitely rings a bell. So I I couldn't believe this. Not only is Andrew Stanton one of the co-writers of Toy Story, he is also the director and co-writer for A Bug's Life, Finding Nemo, and Wally.
1: Wally. Wow, that is a this man really said I'm involved. <laughs> he said i'm staying involved with this i love it
0: yeah he he i guess he was thinking his resume wasn't padded enough so he was like i better yeah. pick up this voice acting role as uh, a zerg right they
1: probably didn't pay him enough so he was just like i need some other gigs it's like i wrote these killer movies and it's like oh, i need some more money which,
0: <laughs> all for it i love it now for my research he is a disneyland exclusive at other locations the voice of zerg is done by frank welker who also voices a number of iconic characters from old school cartoons including most famously Fred from Scooby Doo Astro from The Jetsons and my favorite that I think goes hand in hand with Zerg he voices Megatron from the old Transformers TV show
1: Okay that tracks that all tracks those are those are similar I can see it
0: it does really crack me up that uh the dog from the Jetsons is the voice of Megatron and Zerg. And Zerg. <laughs> now, while we're talking about old school cartoons, Matthew, you said earlier that you were a big fan of the Buzz Lightyear Star Command TV show. Is that correct? That is correct. Yes. I want to challenge you. Can you name me the three other Star Command cadets that are on Buzz's team?
1: I cannot. I know that there was a lady.
0: There was a lady.
1: Um, She was like an alien um,
0: that's all I got. I, I don't remember. As we run through the names, they actually each have nods on the attraction at Disney World. Oh, okay. So the lady that you referenced, Matthew, <laughs> Princess Miranova. Okay. She is the one that has the loosest tie to the ride. So there is a mural outside of the attraction where you can see a blue skinned orange haired female space ranger that looks pretty similar to mira but she also has a third eye on her forehead oh so it's not mira but looks similar to mira
1: maybe it was like an after credit scene that we missed as children i don't know maybe her
0: third eye opened i don't you know i don't know (laughs) there is some debate that higher ups at disney did not really like the buzz lightyear of star command tv show and so there is some speculation that Maybe the mural originally had Mira on it, and they kind of painted over to Ah, change her. okay. Got it. And I will say, with that cartoon not being available on Disney+, and not being released to home video and DVD other than the movie version of the first three episodes of the series, you know, I feel like Disney's trying to bury it. Seems like it. This is where we're going to find out that people have copies
1: of it, and they're like, trust me. It does not hold up. They say some things on Buzz Lightyear Stark and we're like, oh, no, we we don't like that show anymore.
0: (laughs) I do not want to know if it doesn't hold up because my memories of that show are (laughs) pure and it brings me joy. But now the other two Space Rangers that are on Buzz's crew, the only one that they really didn't do dirty on this ride is my favorite, the little robot XR. When you walk out of the attraction and you go past the photo screens on your left, If you look to the right, there's a big mural in Star Command that you can actually see the little robot XR in that room on the mural. And also a fun little nod, if you look outside of the windows on that mural, in the bottom left-hand corner out in deep space, you can actually see Stitch driving the (gasps) red police cruiser through space. That's
1: so cool. I love that.
0: So that's a neat little nod on that mural as well. Now- The fourth member of Buzz's team, also one of my favorites, Booster, the large Joe Addian featured on Buzz Lightyear of Star Command, actually had a very prominent place at the end of this attraction previously. If you'll recall, when you go in the gift shop, when you exit Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger Spin, there's a big half statue of Zerg behind bars in prison. It's like a great photo op to take photos with your family. Right. Well, Booster, there was actually a big statue of him that was standing guard over Zerg in that gift shop for a very long time. And then he disappeared. And I have wondered for a really long time what happened to Booster. So I did a deep dive on it and tried to look for where Booster actually ended up. Oh, God. I don't know where he is today. But what I can say is in 2013 at the D23 Expo, There was a silent auction held on Saturday, August 10th, and Booster from Walt Disney World was confirmed one of the pieces in that auction. Wow! So somebody bought Booster, and he is somewhere out there in the world, and I would absolutely love if any of our listeners happen to know where Booster ended up, I would love to have that piece of information if you would hit us up in our Discord or on social media, because I just want to know where my friend Booster went, man.
1: I really like the idea this podcast reaches the person that purchased it. And it's like, whoa! do
0: I have a trip for you? <laughs> just like sends us a picture. That would be awesome. That would be incredible. I would love that. But yeah, so those are kind of the nods to the old Buzz Lightyear of Star Command TV show. There are a couple of other fun things to talk about with this attraction. A few little Easter eggs. When you ride through the attraction, there are some targets that are on batteries. And that's kind of a central theme of this attraction as Zerg is trying to acquire those batteries to fuel his evil, nefarious purposes. Well, if you look closely at the batteries, they actually say made in Glendale, as in Glendale, California, where Pixar Studios are located. Oh, so technically that's correct. They were made in Glendale. (laughs) So kind of a fun little nod to the origins of where Buzz Lightyear comes from the other fun little thing in this attraction so we talked about some of the versions of the attraction that came before Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger Spin there is a piece of the old attractions that actually remains in the attraction today when you go through the second room the volcano room as a lot of people call it if you look in the foreground of the volcano basically as close to your cart as you can get off of the off of the track You'll be met with three two-dimensional like cutouts of glowing green space chickens. These chickens were previously featured, not as space chickens, but as regular Earth chickens in both Delta Dream Flight and Take Flight. Oh, wow. So they kept that piece of the original attraction and just painted them up a little bit to make them glow neon green.
1: So they still look like chickens? Or are they like animated like Toy Story esque? They still just look like chickens. they're just green.
0: So they're like animated chickens. they are cartoon okay. chickens. got chickens it, got it. Um, okay. but yeah they're they're painted green and uh, look kind of alien. <laughs> I love that. It's also worth noting that this attraction was originally going to be based around the movie Alien. So rather than Buzz Lightyear, this was actually going to be kind of a terrifying ride. Oh my gosh. Where guests in their ride vehicles would have been chased by a xenomorph that would have repeatedly attacked their ride vehicle and guests would have had to fend them off and like shoot them. And I think Disney made the right move in saying, I think that's probably going to be terrifying and scarring to children. Yes. So instead they went the much safer route and made extraterrestrial alien encounter that totally didn't scar hundreds and hundreds of kids.
1: Right, right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It does make you wonder if it would be possible to do, because that, like you said, when you describe the Xenomorph ride, like that would be a perfect ride design for it, especially if it was modern. So it makes you wonder if they were able to do like a theming around, like when they do the Halloween stuff. Obviously you wouldn't be able to do a full flip to Xenomorph, but I would love to do like a spooky a spooky like flip of it. But yeah, I don't obviously that's a lot of money and time that they're not going to spend, but I'd love to see living in an alternate universe, I guess, of where they had actually gone
0: through with it. That would be really cool if there was a way to reskin it for like a Halloween event to make it that spooky version with alien. All right. And then the last little fun fact I have for us. I feel like it's not much of a hidden secret anymore that most people know if you are able to max out your points on Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger spin. That is a score total of 999,999, maxing out your scoreboard. You achieve the rank on the leaderboards as a galactic hero. There are actually real-world prizes that you can redeem for being a galactic hero with a cast member when you get off the ride. What? I didn't know that. Now, these prizes have changed a lot over the years. Currently, from what I've been able to tell... You get a little sticker with Buzz Lightyear on it that says Galactic Hero, and sometimes you're able to get one of the Walt Disney World Certificates of Achievement that names you as a Galactic Hero. Wow. So that is the most recent version of the prize. In the past, when it was more of a well-kept secret, there were actually kind of neater prizes that you could get. At one point, there was a little pin-on button. One of the cooler ones I've seen is a black lanyard with a Star Command clearance tag. That names you as Galactic Hero. So it's like a neat little laminated ID badge for you. And then I have seen numerous places listing that at one point in the past, you could get an exclusive Disney pin if you were a Galactic Hero. Oh, wow. Now I have scoured the internet looking for a picture of proof of the existence of that pin. I have not been able to find one. There are Buzz Lightyear of Star Command pins, but no true disney pins that i've been able to see that list galactic hero got
1: it man if there were and we could see that those things would have to be worth hundreds
0: of bucks i would think so you know that's crazy because that would be a really hot exclusive disney pin so if you happen to have one and you're listening to this podcast hit us up with a picture, show us it exists, because I would like to believe I just can't find it. I wasn't able to confirm.
1: How do they know if you hit it? Do you have to go find it or do they get notified like on the screen? Like because obviously it pops up your score, but sometimes those screens go so quickly, you know, as cars come in and out like, you, mm-hmm. you know, there's been sometimes where I've almost missed my score.
0: So on other versions of the attraction, not at Walt Disney World, they will actually save your score. So I think for the Disneyland version, you can actually have your score printed out on your picture that you get on the, on the vehicle. Oh, wow. Okay. But at the Disney World version, they, to my knowledge, do not have a way to save the scores. So it's recommended that you take a picture of it as soon as possible to provide proof to a cast member that you did indeed hit that mark.
1: So what you're telling me is I just need to download a picture of someone else scoring that and then just show it to a cast member. Got it. All right. Check. Got it. I
0: mean, there you go. You could absolutely (laughs) cheat and show a picture, but you'll know in your heart that you're not a true galactic hero. I know nothing. You're just a big phony. (laughs) All right, Matthew. Well, that's about going to do it for all of my info that I was able to find on Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger Spin. One uh, last thing I'd like to talk about before we get into the ride tips, I would like to talk about some of the hidden Mickeys on this ride. Now, Matthew, you went hard with the hidden Mickeys on the Seven Dwarves Mine Train in our last episode with some really unique and interesting ones. I will be honest, there are not a lot of unique hidden Mickeys here. Got it. Okay. There is one in particular that repeats over and over and over again on this ride in the exact same manner. Okay. The first time you see it, when you are walking through the line, like basically waiting in the queue for this attraction, there's like a big board that shows you a map of the galaxy and a bunch of different planets in the Buzz Lightyear universe. There is one planet called Polost Prime in Sector One that is an Earth looking like green and blue planet. Then in the middle, there is one big green island or continent that is shaped as a profile of Mickey Mouse's head. Oh, okay. That planet shows up multiple times throughout the attraction. Copy and paste. Copy and paste. (laughs) Yes. So it's a neat one the first time you see it, and then you see it again and again and again, and you're like, okay, like, cool. Got it. Okay. There are a few other cool ones on this ride. When you enter the first room, if you look down to the right and you look for some glowing green stars. There are three green stars that are clustered together to make a hidden Mickey that it is confirmed an intentional hidden Mickey that was meant to be placed there. One of the coolest ones that I really like, as you progress through the ride, when you get to the room that on the left of your cart, there are all the little battery cutouts that when you shoot them, they fall backwards. If you look in the back left corner of that room, there is another profile hidden Mickey made of like multiple different colored dots on like one of the back control panels. So if you're looking for it, that's a pretty obvious one. It's not too hard to find. And then the last one that I could confirm in that same mural when you get off of the ride that I was talking about where you can see XR and Stitch flying through space in one of the windows, there is a yellow hidden Mickey there as well. Wow. And that about does it for the hidden Mickeys that I was able to find and confirm that were on this attraction. There are several others that people talk about, that it's the classic three circles clustered together that look like it's a Mickey head, but I think a lot of those were unintentional. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Or like craters on a moon or like stuff like that. All right. Well, I think Nothing left to do but get into the ride tips for this attraction. And Matthew, this is a big ride tips one, because if you're gunning for that galactic hero, you got to know what the high value targets are. You got to have a strategy of what to hit. And I will say for me, I have never gone in with that strategy before. This is a new form of research for me. Matthew, to your memory, do you remember what your highest score on this attraction has been? I
1: don't remember the exact score. I want to say... Because they go up in tiers of like
0: 100,000s, right? Later on, they do. So there's less than 1,000, 1,000 to 10,000, 10,000 to 100,000, 100,000 to 300,000, 300,000 to 600,000, 600,000 to 999,998, and then your Galactic Hero at maxing out the score.
1: And I'm probably just making this up. I want to say I've gotten some of the big items that you're going to talk about here in a second. I want to say I've had like over 600,000 at least one time. But I'm probably exaggerating a little bit. I don't know. You can't prove me wrong. So that's what I'm going to say. 650, 700,000. Perfect.
0: (laughs) I think the highest I've ever gotten is Space Ace rank before, because I think I've been in the 300,000s. I will say on the ride video that we are planning to post to our YouTube channel. My score is pretty pitiful. It's 98,600. <laughs> oh, no. You got to cut me slack. It's because I was recording the video. All of the right, ride. I had fair. one hand occupied. I was focused on getting a good video for our viewers. So I wasn't really focusing on the score that much. But if you want to meet the rank of Galactic Hero, you have come to the right place because I am going to give you a step by step guide for the Walt Disney World attraction of how to accomplish that max score. Matthew, are you ready? I'm ready. Get into it. Let's go. Here is your strategy to max out your points in the most efficient way possible. When you enter the first room, you're going to look to the large orange robot on your left, and you're going to concentrate your fire on the target on its left hand. This target, every time you hit it, is going to be worth a whopping 100,000 points per hit. Golly. This will be easier accomplished if you are sitting in the left seat of the ride vehicle. But all of the other ones that we're going to talk about are actually easier to hit if you are in the right seat of the ride vehicle. So I would strongly recommend that you sit in the right seat if you're gunning for that galactic hero ranking. When you pass the orange robot and you're still in the first room, you're going to change your target and concentrate your fire up into your right. There is going to be a large claw hand with a target in the center of the, of the hand, and this target is also going to be worth a whopping 100,000 points per hit. You will be able to continue hitting this target for a little while after you leave the room, so I suggest turning your car basically with the target as you're moving Turn the car completely about face and keep firing at that target until you get out of range out of the room. When you enter the second room, you're going to be targeting your fire on the target at the top of the volcano. When you hit this target, this is going to be a whopping 50,000 points per hit, and also has the added bonus that when you hit this target, it causes the little volcano to erupt. Krakatoa. <laughs> So you get like that fun little bonus in addition, to your, in addition to your points. Now there's a part in the middle of the room where the volcano is going to be obscured by some other close targets. Shoot it whatever you want for this part. There's not really a specific strategy here. Just get as many points as you can in the interim. When you come around the bend, concentrate your fire on the volcano again. One that I feel like people don't talk about that much, at the end of this room, on the right side where the volcano is, But in, like, kind of a back left corner, there's a big jack in the box looking thing that's called Alien in a Box. If you shoot that box and get the alien to pop up and shoot the target on the alien, that is also going to be 50,000 points per hit. Oh, wow. So if you're not able to get the volcano one, shooting for that alien in the box is another good bet to maximize your points. As you progress out of the second room and you go into the third room, You're going to want to look to the right and aim for the central target at the bottom of Zerg's robot legs. This is going to be a whopping 100,000 points per hit. Getting back to what we were talking about with the limitations of the gun being attached to the ride vehicle, when you are directly in front of Zerg, you don't have the angle to hit that target. So you have to maximize your time when you're to the right of Zerg and then to the left of Zerg. Hitting that target as many times as you can when you have the angle on it. Okay. Now, on the other side of the room, with those batteries that you can hit the fallback, those are going to be a a decent amount of points. Those are 10,000 points per hit if you hit the batteries. So, if you don't have the angle on Zerg, if you wanted to like about face real quick, try to hit a couple of batteries and then turn around, you could try to do that as well. But Zerg is going to be the big, the big target points. And then in the last room, after you go through basically like the space tunnel with that. Version of the the projection Zerg that's like flying around. There are some rumors that if you hit Zerg in that room, you will get some points for it. If you shoot randomly, you'll get some points anyway, so might as well try hitting him, but I couldn't get that confirmed. But then in the last room, you want to aim for that spot at the base of Zerg's robot legs again. This time it is going to be worth less. It's only 25,000 points per hit. But if you haven't hit Galactic Hero by the time you get to that room, This is your last chance to gun for it and try to make up the points that you're you're missing. So those are the big targets to aim for. Matthew, are you familiar with any of those targets? Have those been ones that you've gunned for in the past? I
1: definitely remember a lot of them. The Volcano one is always one that I remember that I gunned for. I don't know if I remember the one at Zerk's Legs as much. Just mentioning all the batteries, I know those aren't like the big targets, but I do want to go ahead and say that I love those where it is actually interacted. You know, the Volcano, when you hit it, it erupts. When you hit the batteries, they fall over. Those are like really satisfying to me with you actually getting the feedback since it's just a, a, basically a laser dot. You know, you can't really tell half the time whether you're actually hitting what you want when you actually hit those targets. Those are my favorites. So those are some that really stuck out to me
0: and the ones I remember. I agree. I always shot at the batteries as well. And then I feel like the Volcano is the one that's like the most well-known high right. value mark. Because I always shot at that volcano as well.
1: It's pretty centrally located. You can't really miss it because it's really like the focal point compared to some of these are a little bit more hidden. That Mm -hmm. one's really like, hey, this is the one that uh, it's
0: in the middle. You're gunning for it, that sort of thing. For sure. Absolutely. Just a couple more tips that I have for this ride. Try to go on the ride early in the day or late at night. If you can, magic hours are a great time to get on this ride because the less people that you have on the attraction, that's less lasers that you're competing with for the target that you're trying to hit. The targets do have a slight reset time, so if you have tons of other people in the room shooting at the same target, your chance of getting the points for that target are not going to be as good. So trying to ride the ride when there are less people there, like during extra magic hours or really early or really late, is a great time to do this. The other tip I have don't make the mistake of continually mashing the button for the gun to shoot. Just hold the button down. The gun will shoot every second. If you are holding the button down continuously, not only is it not going to wear out your thumb, but it is also going to ensure that you are firing as quickly as you possibly can. You can also, when you're in the first room and your gun first activates before you get to the targets, go ahead and try shooting. Make sure that you know where your laser is. Make sure that you get a fix on that so you can help aim at your targets when you get into the first room. There is no penalty for poor accuracy in this game. So it just benefits you to continuously shoot your laser gun. And then when you are in the last room with Zerg before he is captured by Buzz, make sure to smile because as things are flashing, this is your opportunity to get your picture. So whatever faces you want to make while you're on your ride to get that memorable photo, that is your time to do so. And the last thing I have to say, if you are interested in strategies for the Disneyland version of the attraction to hit your maximum score, I highly recommend that you check out the video from Provost Park Pass for tips about this. They go really in-depth into all of the strategies for the different targets in that ride, which just for time purposes, I'm not going to go into here. But if you are interested in that attraction, I highly recommend that you check out their video.
1: And I don't want to hold us up too long, but I do want to say, I don't know if I've ever taken a good photo on this ride. I'm always so focused and I think I've always just got that look of determination in this ride. So definitely remember where that camera is because there's some, it it turns out to be a good photo, but I never can remember. And I always have this look of pure focus and dedication to shoot Zerg in that that (laughs) room.
0: I agree. I think every photo I've ever had on the ride, I just have a very serious look (laughs) because, hey, we're trying to save the galaxy, man. This is serious business. We were selected for this task. We can't let Buzz down. (laughs) All right, man. Well, I think that's all I have about the attraction today. Do you have any other ride tips that you can think of for our audience that you wanted to share?
1: No, I think that's about it. And I will just say, like we said earlier, the car does spin on its own. Feel free to just spin the ride. You don't have to go for the high score all the time. I know uh, my wife doesn't care for it, but man, I love to just send that car spinning because it can pick up some speed going around some of those corners, it feels like. So
0: (laughs) that's always another fun way to enjoy the ride. For sure. I mean, being a galactic hero is cool, but at the end of the day, what matters is that you have fun on the attraction. So whatever is going to be your best way to have fun, go for it. Well, shoot, that cue went faster than
1: expected. We hope you enjoyed the episode and learned something new about this wonderful ride. As always, we'd love to hear your experience with the attraction or any fun facts you have. Feel free to join our Discord server and join the conversation or shout out us on Twitter or Instagram, at Q for Two. That's Q-U-E-U-E underscore F-O-R underscore T-W-O. You can also drop a comment on our YouTube channel. All of those links can be found in the episode description below. Now go catch that
0: ride, and we'll see you in the next Q for Two. To infinity and beyond!